just say, oh, I'll just say whatever drastic phrase I want to say. And um, a weight will be lifted off his shoulders, Lord, and whatever will happen today, Lord, that we will just pour it out into him, Lord, um, that his studies throughout the year, Lord, that um, this isn't just a book that we're going to read, Lord. This is your word speaking to us, God. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts through questions and answers, Lord. Use me as a tool, Lord, to just work on us, work on whatever our hearts need working on, God. I pray that we're susceptible to whatever you have for us, God. May we speak to you from today, God. Bless me, Lord. Thank you so much. In your prayer, amen. Amen. Good morning. Um, let me just uh, apologize if my face is a distraction. I'm taking this medicine that um, is ki- hopefully killing all the precancer cells that I released. Oh. So what's been hidden has come to light. So. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, today's message is really, uh, it's kind of a fortuitous route to, to talk about four words. Two of them have you've already heard this year, and two of them are yet to be spoken. But just as I've kind of talked about and, and waited before the Lord about the messages that we've had the last three weeks and um, this particular passage is only four verses. Uh, I've been kind of looking at it off and on since April. I'm kind of sometimes slow to comprehend things, <laughs> but uh, it just seemed right to talk about it today. So if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to this particular scripture, it's Luke 13, 6 through 9. This is a parable that Jesus told, spoke. I'm going to be reading from the J.B. Phillips translation. Um, I doubt many of you have that. It's the only translated in the New Testament. Greg gave me a copy of this book about 25 years ago, and I find myself going back to it when I'm reading the New American Standard, and then I'm like, what's another way this is being said? This is just just the way he uh, translates it has just been a blessing to me, so thank you for that book. It's, um, I'll be reading it out of that, so it may be just a little bit different from, from what your, your Bible says. Um, Luke, not, Luke 13, 6 through 9, And he, being Jesus, began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put it in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. What prompted that parable? Well, I'm going to go back a ways to the 8th chapter of Luke and kind of work through this because Jesus came for a purpose and with a purpose. And when we take the time to kind of look and listen and read the story about his life so maybe 
maybe the 50th time and starts beginning to make a little bit more sense. So Luke 8, 16 through 18, you're not, I'm going to talk about eight different scriptures, so you don't have to look, look them all up. They're just kind of to get us back to what prompted the parable. Luke 8, 16 through 18, or maybe longer, uh, a couple of weeks ago, this was Greg's passage when we met at Susan's house. So I'm just going to read the 16th and 18th verse. Now no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it over with a container or puts it under a, be a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand in order that those who come in may see the light. So it's obvious why you light a, a candle. It's for light. It's obvious then to the Lord that if you have the message, you should live the message. Um, it goes on and he says, and this is the, really one of the key verses that I got out of your message, Greg, was verse 18. So take care how you listen. More will be given to the man who has something already. But the man who has nothing will lose even what he thinks he has. Now, the alternate translation for thinks he has is seems to have. So, these particular verses point to the fact that doors are closing and opportunities are fading. And Jesus is pointing people toward the time at hand. Um, the next one that I want to read is in Luke 10. It's 39 and 41. And this is about Mary and Martha when Jesus comes to the house. Many of you are familiar with this. this. Martha is busy. Mary is not, supposedly. Mar that's what Martha thinks. And so Mary, who settled down at the Lord's feet and was listening to what Jesus said, then Martha chimes in and wants her to get up, but then Jesus says, Mary has chosen the best part, and you must not tear it away from her. She's listening to Jesus. Luke 11, 27. So he's in the crowd, and a woman shouts this out. And while he was still saying this, a woman in the crowd called out and said, Oh, what a blessing for a woman to have brought you into the world and nursed you. But Jesus replied, Yes, but a far greater blessing to hear the word of God and obey it. Luke 12, 18. Everybody knows this story. It's about the rich man who had so much and was so fruitful and profitable, he didn't know what to do. So he's in this dilemma. He's been blessed so much. What's he going to do? I'll pull down my barns and build bigger ones where I can store all my grain and my goods. And I can say to my soul, soul, you have plenty of good things stored up there for years to come. Relax, eat, drink, and have a good time. But God said to him, you fool, this very night you will be asked for your soul. So here was a man who thought one way who was blessed, who did not remember that God had given him the power to earn wealth. 
And God required his soul that very night. He was he hoarded and he wasn't rich toward God. Now, unlike that guy, your brother-in-law, Tom, that wasn't his verdict. <coughs> this man was rich towards God. His soul was required of him, but that soul was precious in the sight of God. You know, we never know. We don't know what God's concern for us. You know, I was sitting at waiting for you guys for the wedding ceremony. Tom sat right in front of me, that row, and so reminded me of my 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 mom and dad's family because we'd all sit on the same row at Christmas time when we'd all get there. So Tom and and Boyd were sitting there, and Juliana came in, and her son I don't know his name he when he saw his other two cousins at the end of the row he shot down the road like he just couldn't wait to get to his cousins and Tom had stuck out his hand and grabbed him because one of those little girls was sick and Juliana didn't want him to go down there so he grabbed him and he held him in his his lap you know I just it was just a a glimpse to watch this family you know for for 10 minutes it's almost like what a testimony. Juliana then came down to the all the way to the end of the row and tried to explain to the girls why he couldn't come down and be with them, and um, just tried to, to say that she would be close to him. And then the the littlest girl I don't know these girls' names, Vivian. but Vivian then laid her head on her sister who was sick, uh, who so reminded me of my brother because she had glasses on and. He, when my brother was little, he, he had to start wearing glasses when he was three years old. And, and she, there was just so much love on that row. And you mm-hmm. could see where it came from. It came from Tom and Boyd and just the way they, the, the way they just responded to their, their family. And, you know, she came down and the, the two sisters, like Bill said, are both pregnant at the same time. And you're looking at this. And so I was totally shocked when I heard that. You know, he was gone. Everything in me says, you're needed right now. If you got two grandchildren, your daughters need you, your wife needs you. But God's ways are not our ways. I don't understand that. But it's like Bill said. You have to come back to this foundation of who he is. He's a good God. He's an all-wise God. And he doesn't make any mistakes. But it was just a really a glimpse of their family. And so, you know, we don't know when our life's going to be required of us. This guy forgot to be rich toward God, to remember that God was the one that gave him the power to earn wealth. Um, the next one is um, Luke 12, 35 and 40. The disciples, Jesus has just told a story, and Jesus says this. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight. And then two verse, five verses later says, So you must be on the alert, for the Son of Man is coming at a time when you may not expect him. Well, yes, he's coming. He's coming in the future. But he came for Tom on Wednesday. And he, he, we don't know when the Lord is coming. It's a time that we may not expect him. So opportunities are there. And doors are closing, whether we know it or not. Luke twelve fifty six. Jesus says, hey guys, you know how to interpret the weather. 
Why can't you interpret the season and the signs of the times? It goes on in the next verses and talks about a guy going to court. And he says, look, you need to settle with them out of court. Because if you don't, you're going to pay every, every last cent is going to be owed. The signs have been given. The earth is on its way to court to appear before the judge of all. The time to settle is now out of court before the sentence is passed. And then we get to this story of, in Luke 13, the first chapter. And it says, now on the same occasion. So it's the same occasion that Jesus is talking about the weather. He's talking about going to court. And then the, these people come up and they ask this question. Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now it's interesting because in the Phillips translation, repent is is um, translated, unless your hearts are changed, you will all likewise perish. And then he says, or do you suppose that those eight people whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, what's happening here is Jesus is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. Um, he already has the Pharisees upset with him. And whatever he had to say in response to this first question about, well, what about when Pilate mixed the blood, the blood of, the, of the believers with their sacrifices? What, about he, what do you say about that, Jesus? So whatever Jesus had to say was going to get to Jerusalem before he did. So if he doesn't address that question, then he seems to be pro-Roman. If he does address it and says something bad about Pilate or, or makes judgment on Pilate, then the Pharisees have something uh, to use against him to get him arrested. So Jesus, uh, the all-wise God, asks a question to them. He takes this, instead of dealing with Pilate's sins, he raises this to a higher level to deal with the people who are listening to him. And so he asked this question about um, the people. Apparently, There's no other reference to this tower falling in the Bible. So apparently it was something that happened. Everybody knew about it. These men were just doing their job. The tower fell and killed them. So Jesus asked this question about these men. And, um, and then he gives the moral of the story. He says, look, the issue is not about other people's sins. It's about yours. And so he, he takes this thing, and it's almost like they don't really get it yet. It's, it's all about looking at other people. And so that is what prompts this parable, is all through scriptures here, he's been trying to um, move people to a place of, Boy, he first came, his first message was what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so this parable, then, he, he 
begins at the end of all these times. I'm going to read it again. And Jesus again telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard dresser, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on the fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And the vineyard keeper answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put it in, and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if it does not, cut it down. So this particular parable, um, each person represents something. The man who owns the vineyard represents God. And God expects to see fruit where he's planted things. He, this is a fig tree in a vineyard. A vineyard is put, in a, is put where it's put because the ground is expected to be fruitful. So he's planted this fig tree in a place that's expected to be fruitful. Um, but for three years, it hadn't brought more than any fruit. This is the three years after the three years that it doesn't bear fruit anyway. It takes three years for a fig tree to just produce a fruit that's acceptable. So it's he's given time. He's just in cutting it down. He expects fruit. There's no fruit there. The vineyard keeper obviously represents Christ. Um, and Christ has continued to feed the people through living water, if they would take it, the bread of the word, if they would hear it. Um, and then <coughs> the fig tree itself really has two meanings. It represents the nation of Israel, but it also represents individuals. Now it's interesting here because the parable kind of leaves it up to you to decide what happens. Did it bear fruit the fourth year or not? So it's kind of open-ended. But when it comes to the nation of Israel, the, the, the writing, but if not, in the Greek, it's some kind of special particular verb that uh, I can't, I'm not, I'm not, I just know what the commentary says really indicates that it's not going to. But for the individuals, it could. That depends on the individual, doesn't it? It depends on us, how they're going to respond. So God is gracious. He gives three years for a tree that's in an environment that should be able to produce fruit. And that's what he does with us as people. You know, he gives an amount of time, places us in an environment where we should be fruitful, and he, and he expects that. So, the whole message is about repentance, and that is the third of the, six, of the four words that I wanted us to, to, to hear today, because repentance means to change one's mind. But it doesn't mean just to change one's mind. It means to change one's mind that results in a change of action. Now, when I was reading this, I, you know, something just clicked. I thought, okay, God, what are you, what are you really saying, God? 
Because we talked about in the last Sunday of 2014, remembering. If you, if you remember, we talked about remembering and, and, and how sometimes we don't remember correctly. But the expectation and command for us to remember next Sunday, we're commanded in communion to remember the Lord. So, remember. And we learned that remember means to recall something in such a way that it impacts the present. We don't just remember the facts and the dates, but we remember something scripturally to remember means you remember something in such a way that impacts you, impacts you today. So remember, and then the word listen, which came out of Greg's message, <coughs> take care how you listen. And as Greg explained to us, Listening is not just hearing. There's an expectation of having heard that we respond appropriately and rightly to that word. There's action that follows listening if you've really listened. That's when, when Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So if you've got ears to hear, you can hear. You hear me. But there's one thing to hear, and there's another thing to hear and, and respond appropriately to what you've heard. That means that you've really listened, Mary listened, you know. And then there's this word repent, which means to change your mind. Well, to change your mind also to change our actions. Now what's interesting is between the remember and the listening, Roger gives a message about Caleb. Well, Caleb had a different spirit than the people of the age. And he remembered rightly. And he listened rightly. <coughs> and he saw things from God's perspective. He thought and saw above the circumstances. As Roger was saying, he did not judge God based on the circumstances around him. He looked at the circumstances based on who God was. There's a huge difference there, and the reason he could do that is because he remembered what God promised. And it impacted him. Forty years later, it still impacted him. And he listened to what God said. Now, I don't know how many of you walked away from Roger's sermon um, last week and thought, you know, I'm just like Caleb. <laughs> well, I wish I was. Therefore, God gives us provision called repent. And, you know, it just seems to fit for today. You know, if, if we happen not to remember correctly, or we happen to not listen rightly, there is a place of repentance where we can change our mind and, do, and, and listen rightly and remember rightly. But repentance also carries with it Change your, change your actions based on how you, you think. Um, there's one last word that I'm going to put out here. I'm going to introduce this um, with a scripture. Bill probably one of your favorite scriptures. I always think of you when I think of this scripture. Um, but again, Caleb is 
an example for this is John 6, 28 and 29. This made them ask him, what must we do to carry out the work of God? The work of God for you, replied Jesus, is to believe in the one who has sent you. So that's the other word, believe. Now, does believe mean you just believe? Or does believing scripturally mean you live by what you believe? You act on what you believe. And so we have these four words in this example of Caleb. Remember, listen, repent, and believe. Those four words, when we keep them in right thinking, in right perspective, will carry us to the end of our days and help us to be a faithful people for God. You know, it's interesting because um, uh, just a few verses after this parable of the fig tree in J.D. Phillips, uh, just like your Bible probably has um, like titles or sub subtitles that kind of introduce sections, his does as well, and this just seemed seem to capture, I guess, what I'm trying to say. And that title before the, the, the scripture of Luke 13, 20 through, th through 30 says this, the kingdom is not entered by drifting, but by decision. And all four of those words are not drifting words, scripturally. They're decision words. And so I feel like this is what God is saying. Now, I can't answer the why part yet. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit. Because the why may be different from every one of us whatever he's speaking to, to you today. But it's interesting because tucked in that Luke 13, 23 through 30, 30 section, it says this, you must do your utmost to get in through the narrow door. For many, I assure you, will try to do so and will not succeed once the master of the house has got up and shut the door. You must do your utmost. So it's interesting, this whole juxtaposition between believe, yielding and believing, and doing your utmost. And you don't get there by drifting. You get there by decision. And so why God's saying this to you or me as an individual, the Holy Spirit needs to reveal that. But to us as a church, um, I've run out of time in sitting before God to understand the why. But we as a church are not called to drift. Mm -hmm. we're, we're called as a church to, to decide and to, and to move in what God's called us to. And we're doing that. But then we also know that it's also a time where he's also raised this little flag about unreached people groups. Uh, and it's kind of extending, mm -hmm. you know, we say, oh, what else can we do? You know, extending, you know, our influence, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, extending the kingdom. And so I, I just lay that out before you this morning that here's what I'm hearing, you know, out of these last four weeks. And I just would encourage you guys to, to be in prayer with me and with the leadership as we kind of try to understand <coughs> what God's saying. I mean, he's calling us. He's calling us 
at the higher and deeper things we can hear. And so, Father, I just ask that, you know, as we, as we learn to listen like Mary, as we learn to remember your faithfulness in story after story, generation after generation, even with saints of the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century, Lord, let us take our place. Lord, show us what you're calling us to. Help us to remember to listen, to repent when we need to, to believe you, Lord, that all things are possible through you. All the things that you call us to are possible through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at page 21 in your sheet there. 